Again. Because it's Tuesday and all. Mm-hmm. What Tuesday? We don't know. But it's a Tuesday. It's Tuesday somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've ever done a song about that, have they? Tuesday afternoon? Uh, Tuesday really afternoon. Was, then there was the band Till Tuesday. The Cure did that song, Brian. It's called um, Friday I'm in Love. Tuesday I'm in Love. Oh, I'm sorry. A lot of people misunderstand that he thinks they think they hear Friday. It's actually Tuesday. I'm in love. And yeah, how about R- Ruby Tuesday? Ruby Tuesday. Ruby Tuesday. Yep. After that song. <laughs> so John had suggested that we open the show every week with sharing a great album for our listeners to check out. Okay. I'd like to continue that tradition this week. We're just going to do one round. So, does everyone have an album in their head that they would like to share with the audience? Yes. Yes. That quickly. Okay, Jay, yes. go ahead. You go first. 1979-1980 was a tough time in the world of hard rock. And a mm. well-known singer left a very well-known band. He then did a solo project that year called Blizzard of Oz. And everyone went, Wow. Well, some of us were looking at his old band, Black Sabbath, when they released Heaven and Hell, which I still today think is one of the best albums I've ever bought. Okay, we're talking Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell? Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, with Ronnie James Dio taking over lyrics. Yeah. 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 And just, it's an insane album. Yeah. Yeah. Well worth checking out. Good choice. Howie, do you have one for us? Yes, I do. Um, I'm going to go with... Something that really inspired me as a youth. Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, from Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. Because when he signed with Clive Davis, you get you know how you get in advance and rock stars will spend it all up and then they wind up owing the label money. Well, that album, believe it or not, did not do well. It, no. it only charted at like 60, but Bruce Springsteen, who I got to see for free because I knew the other sound guy, he was famous for doing three and four hour shows. Still kind of is, isn't he? It still does. does. But he toured heavily and then he caught on and got a cult following. And, you know, the rest is history. And he's had many you know, great albums after that, but this was his very first one. And he did it on a budget at a place called 914 Studios. And they actually used a cassette machine, a Moran's professional cassette machine, which I happened to own one. I got at auction for $35 just to, because that's just all. to have it. <laughs> just because. Yeah. Yeah. The studio was, you know, auctioning, and I just, I was it. They it was bid starting at $35. I raised my hand, and nobody else raised their hand. I went, Oh crap, <laughs> that's a good deal. So, so, the album again is Bruce Springsteen live at Ashbury Park, correct? No, it's greetings. called Greetings. Greetings, oh, greetings. Ashbury Park. Yes, it looks just like a postcard, an old fashioned yeah. postcard. Oh, I've seen and- that album cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't know the album, I don't know the, but I know the album yeah. cover. I guess the most famous song that he wrote on that album would be Blinded by the Light that was made famous by, by Manfred Mann later on. Right. Right. So that's it. John, what do you got? Super cool. All right. For my recommended go check it out pick of the week, I'm going to take Legend from Bob Marley. 
Oh, for those that may not be familiar with it is when I first picked it up and it was a college radio and I was doing a reggae show in the afternoon and that was there in front of me and Buffalo Soldier, Three Little Birds, One Love, Redemption Song, just everything, just track after track after track was gold. Well, it's kind of a great compilation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, it's a yeah. compilation. But okay. if you're not familiar with Bob Marley and, and some of that vibe, that's a great place to start. So, it's a cool sampling. This is yeah. a little bit of all of his best stuff. Mm. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what I would, I would say. Is Waiting in Vain on there? Because I love that song, and, and for some reason, I'm thinking it's not a legend. I, I have it. I'd have to track back and see where where it fell into his catalog. But there's so many on there for that that are just you know super stellar hits. It's you don't know you know them until you hear them. Right. Oh, it's that's the, uh, what that is. Okay. You hit any pub in the, you know? any pub in the U.S. is going to have that in their jukebox for sure. Thousand percent. The one that I was going to mention this week. It's a song. Prince. Sorry. <laughs> I watched our broadcast that was on the other night where we were talking about just, we did a whole show for like an hour and a half on records. That's, we just kind of yes. remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that got marathon. mad, mad <laughs> views. Holy cow. That went John was mentioning the Michael Jackson thriller album and he mm-hmm. talked about Eddie Van Halen being on beat it. Who who um, did that kind of on the down low when he did it? But it was initially uh, later on was told that he did do the solo. He was credited, and he also um, did the guitar thing in Back to the Future, kind of on the down low. But anyway, mm-hmm. neither here nor there. I was saying, I, I mentioned it after the broadcast, but during the broadcast, I didn't mention it. I had said that we're trying to figure out whose idea beat it was. And I had said that Quincy Jones wanted a rocker because there was a lot of R&B on the record, but there was no rocker, right? And so he said, I want a rocker that's really good and catchy. And he mentioned a song, and I couldn't remember what the song was. Uh, The song was My Sharona by The Knack. By The Knack, yes. So he wanted a song kind of like that. And if you listen to Beat It in My Sharona, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. The influence it's not track. the same song. No, it's the influence. But it's influenced by. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about the album Get the Knack. Because it's actually a really good album. If a anybody one, a one hit wonder for of an album. Well, well, it had the hit on it. Uh, right. was Good Girls Don't a Hit? Good Girls Don't. That yeah, Good Girls Don't. Girls yeah. Don't. yeah. I would I would think it's at least two tracks off that. Yeah. Well, back in those days, you wouldn't buy a, a record and listen to one song you listen to the record and right. i remember hearing it over and over and over again and really enjoying it there are some really good yeah. songs in there uh, mm-hmm. ones just stick out in my head heartbeat was a really good song and what was the other one uh the monkey and me was kind of a silly song but there was some really good tracks on there they got a ton of press i remember them being like cream hit Parader, circus yeah. rolling stone I don't know if it was that they dressed like the Beatles, that they had that influence, and it was only a decade past, or still part of the same decade. But I just remember being conscious in high school of reading a lot of trade work, and the Knack were huge as far as their coverage, and I couldn't figure it out. I remember thinking, like, they're good, but like, why are they getting so much press? I think it's sort of like Cheap Trick. 
you either do get Cheap Trick or you don't. Cheap Trick mm-hmm. is probably the biggest rock band amongst rock bands. Like, bands love Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. Anthrax did a Cheap Trick song. Joe Perry has had Cheap Trick tour with Aerosmith like eight times. They are just a loved band. I think that was what the Knack kind of had too a little bit. The Knack, you know, if I really think about it, and, and I have never done that until just in this room, thinking about who's in the room, the Knack almost to me sounds like what the Ramones would do if they were better. <laughs> you know? That's a valid That's a valid statement. If they knew more than three chords. <laughs> if they knew more than three chords is what the Ramones could sound. <laughs> kind of stick around. If they evolved a little further, like you say, yeah. that would be the next logical progression. That's where they probably well, would end it up. Answer, yeah. To answer Jay's question, like, why so big? You think MTV had something to do with it? MTV didn't exist yet. Uh, my no. show came out in 78. Yeah. It came out a few years Ooh, before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will, I will say this, and I told you guys afterwards, I was fortunate enough to go see, on her birthday, um, Dale Bozio of Missing Persons. Mm-hmm. Well, I was with a friend of mine, Roger, who's the lead singer of a Huey Lewis tribute band, yeah. The Heart of Rock and Roll, and he's a musician. And after about one song, he looks at me and he goes, are you watching this bass player? I'm like... Yeah, he looks old, and he's killing it. Like, he's killing it. Like, he's just, he's vibing, he's he's moving correctly, and we're watching and watching and watching, and we can't figure it out. Well, come to find out later, it was 68-year-old Prescott Niles playing bass for Dale Bozio. Prescott Niles is the bass player from the Knack. Yeah, and he, and, that bass and he is insanely good and he today yeah. he's 68 and i helped him bring his amps out to the truck because i'm like afterwards like dude blah, blah, blah. he's like yeah man great to meet you i'm like i'm jay roger yeah i'm prescott niles and i think roger somehow knew the name and he's like holy fuck that's the guy from the knack i'm like it is he's like yeah that's him and he was mm-hmm. great he was he was really, really good. I was like, holy, yeah. So I think they probably had a lot of musicianship as well as, you know, other things going on. So that, that bass is, is just like, just historic. Yeah. In that track. Oh yeah, it, it is. It starts out with the drums and then the bass follows the drums. Oh yeah. And then the guitar follows the bass and the drums. It's the weirdest thing in the world, but it's well, so- and it's got breakdowns. It's got that breakdown where it goes into a whole yes. different, like either time change or something. It does it twice? Yeah, and yeah. then it comes back, it's like two back to that. So you're listening to like three different songs all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, I can see why it got big, but I it always kind of threw me at, at the, the time. time. Yeah. Actually, now that I think of it, <laughs> I knew I, he was going to do that. <laughs> Well, I'm looking because I have it pulled up to get Prescott Niles' name. But under Wikipedia, I haven't gone to the article, but they're crediting like Pat Torpe, who was with um, Mr. Big, uh-huh. as being a former member. They're also, te- they're also crediting Terry Bozio, who was Frank Zappa's drummer and married to Dale Bozio and the drummer of Missing Persons and probably as good as Neil Peart or any other drummer in the world because he was doing stuff back then that no one was doing. Mm. So the I drums think, are insane. 
Yeah. All of those tracks. I mean, yeah. they're not Neil Peart, but they're good. No, yeah, you're right. But, but they were such a tight band. I, years later, yeah. I realized their talent. At first, I'm like, yeah, it's a cool song, My Sharona. Okay, that's cool. But then it was like MTV came along. And yeah, I think, Howie, that that may have kept them on the zeitgeist of what was going on around them a little bit. But mm. I think in hindsight, it's one of those bands and albums that you look at and just go, damn, this is really good music. It's not just I, catching. I think of like, you know, the the 70s as coming in. Like we started off the 70s with like tighter, tighter, you know, like yeah. that song. And then we ended the 70s with My Sharona. That was the progression of the 70s. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, it was, it came out in 79. And I remember listening to this, because this is what we did in my family. We would sit around the radio because it was a big console radio and we'd listen to the countdown shows. And we listened to the, the, you know, top hits of the 70s. Right. And unfortunately, I think the number one song was Utilize My Life. But I think Probably. My Sharona, My Sharona landed at like nine. Like number nine for the decade. And it had just come out like six months earlier. Yeah. Well, and so you look was, at 79. 79 was a very pivotal year. If you trace albums that came out, example, The Cars came out in 79. Mm -hmm. you, you know, know Candio came out in 79. Yeah, the Cars, the band The Cars. Right, but Candio album. was 79. The debut album was like 77. Oh, was it that? You yeah. Oh, yeah, like Candio was Candio was 79. Candio was holy shit. Yeah. And the only reason I, I know this is because I when I was a kid, wrong. my brother had the tape and there was nothing to do, so he just read the liner notes over and over again. Uh, so I knew it was 79. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I stand just corrected on that in my one. Head. Don't worry, that's why I'm here. Speaking of, when's the last time you guys played My Sharona at a gig? That's a pretty cool song. Um, That'd be a cool surprise song to play sometime. I, I played it this summer. Did you? I, yeah. I don't and, think I've um, played it in 10 one years. Of, one of the picnics. Um, and it went over really really well um they actually sang a, it was kind of like a sing-along song really you know because yeah my picnics are noon to four and you could hear like either nodding or singing along you know yeah it's a good it's song those, yeah it's one of those songs that everybody my age and older knows it's like yeah. jesse's girl yeah it's Everybody very much knows. like Jesse's Girl. It's a great yeah. observation. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot like Jesse's Everybody Girl. Knows. The people got the one hit and they crushed it and they were all over the radio and then they disappeared. Like, like you say, with Rick Springfield, Jesse was the big one of the great Ken band or they were all just hitting with those single songs. And <laughs> well, mm. Ray Ken had a couple good ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, the breakup song and Jeopardy. 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 Yeah. yeah. And who played guitar for him on that? Joe mm. Satriani. Really? Yeah, he's on no. the Great Ken album. Yeah, Great Ken hired him. You know, uh, I think in that show that we did too, Jay, now that you, you're talking about who played on what, you mentioned Jake Ely. Yes. And I, I knew I knew that name and I knew it really well and I couldn't figure out. I think he was in Alice Cooper's band when he did like Constrictor and stuff. I, I think he was Alice Cooper's yeah. guitar player. I, I think for Constrictor, it was Kane Roberts. Was it? And you might be thinking of Kip Winger. Kip Winger, the bass player and singer from Winger, wrote a bunch of stuff and played on Constrictor as well on bass. Jake E. Lee was somebody. He wasn't ever with Jake E. Lee was Jake E. Lee started with Steeler, then um or no Rough Cut, Rat, Ozzy. Ozzy is Badlands. Yeah. And now he's got a thing called um Red Dragon Cartel. 
So he, he was took with, like a big period off. He was with he was Bark at the Moon. He was at the S. Or was he Blizzard of Oz? Or not Blizzard of no. Oz, but uh, uh, Ultimate Sin. Yes, he was Ultimate Sin yes. and yep. Bark at the Moon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So when Ozzy had that After second Randy. resurgence, yeah, yeah, it was Randy, and then they did a tour with Brad Gillis of Night Ranger. They recorded a live album of covers called Speak of the Devil with Brad Gillis. Then Brad left that. and went back to Night Ranger because they were breaking. And then Jakey e. Lee came in, and Jakey e. Lee, who ended up beating out another guy named um, George Lynch from Dokken. He yeah. was going to join, but George got kind of kicked loose because he didn't have black hair, which yeah. for some reason Ozzy wanted. He wanted longer black hair, and I guess he gave Ozzy some shit, and Ozzy was like, see ya. Mm-hmm. So they ended up with Jakey e. Lee. But I think Jakey e. Lee is probably one of the most underestimated players out there, but he took that period off. And he, had, he was huge with Badlands. Badlands did very well. I saw him at Great Woods. The lineup was Badlands. Tesla and Great White. And let me tell you, for like 15 bucks back in the late 80s to have those three bands playing outside for one night. Sure. Man, you got your money's worth, I'll tell you. But we yeah. Got, we got JL wound up on rock. We got, well, you know, I'm finally in my element. I I, I, it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, Brad Gillis was wearing jeans and a white t shirt that said Aloha. When he tried out, I just, I don't know how deep you need me to go. I'm just kidding. Actually, <laughs> you, know, you know what I will say though about the thriller album, you know, did yeah. most of the guitar work on that? Uh, one, one of the guys from Toto. Yeah. Steve Lukather. Lukather and Tim Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because it was a lot of that. They were such a studio based group. Right. That they got pulled in. It's amazing. When you look at Steve Lukather, Hey, he's another machine on guitar. Yeah. Like insane. Absolutely. Like if you want to see someone cut loose, he can he can shred and cut down people left and right. It's not one of those I thinks. It's a reality. It's like Neil Shown of Journey. Yeah. Like I was just watching the video for uh, uh, Hold the Line and checking out his solo and how now, how they they changed the drums halfway through and how interesting it was. But the, 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 is that Jeff Picaro? The yeah. drummer, yeah, he's another yeah. one of those Terry. He Bozios. was on Thriller too, wasn't he? he yeah, but he's another one of these guys that did stuff on the drums that other drummers copied. And you hear them mention Bozio and Procaro all the time. But Carl's the a- name that sticks in my head with Toto. That's the one. Yeah. Well, I that, think they were brothers, think, weren't they? Wasn't it Jeff and his brother were two of the members? I think there were two Picaros in the yeah, band. Yeah, I think they were brothers that were in the band. I know Luke at there and Picaro. That's the only names I remember. You know, but again, it was that insane talent coming from studio players who decided like, Hey, we should do a band. Yeah. And you, you had the edge of Steely Dan that was hiring everyone in town. That was a great studio session guy. You know, you'd have one album with nine guitar players on it, all of them being top end, but you know, it still came down to Fagan and Becker as to what they would want to really put out there. Back in the old days when people used to play instruments. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what this sounds like right now. It sounds like the audio track to that um, that uh, documentary, Hired Gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great documentary. I think you turned me on to that, Howie. That's a great yeah, documentary. The, well, yeah, Alice Cooper. He calls him his stable. He has a stable of twenty guitar players that he could live with on the road. Yeah. 
and he never has the same band whenever when he tours. Well, sadly, he just lost one of his guitars, Nita Strauss, right. originally from the Iron Maidens. Right. He did, mm-hmm. and Nita went for the money to play with Demi Lovato because oh. Demi Lovato is on tour with an all-girl power band, mm. and then three shows into the tour, Demi goes like this: "Hey, um, yeah, by the way." This is the one and only tour. I'm never going to tour again. <laughs> Nita, quickly call Alice. He's in Phoenix yeah. playing golf right now. See if he's willing to. Oh, he's already got Kane Roberts back. Kane in? Roberts is back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but she she did put out a solo record at least, so she's got something. She did. She's got totally. something. She can fall, but she can play at a local, you know. Yeah. Oak Tree I, or Tellos when they. I, I just want the audience to know whoever's watching is I'm just as lost as you probably are right now. Yeah. Iron Maidens, if you no want to see an all-female, insanely talented Iron Maiden cover tribute band, go Iron see Maiden. the Iron Maiden. Excellent. Excellent band. Yes, Iron Maiden. No, I, I was doing a Bill and Ted thing. Yes, scream <laughs> for me, John Young, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Up the Hammers. It's West Ham. I don't understand soccer, but that's what they say. I, this, this might as well be soccer, because I, I just asked. Who knows, who knows I, what they're I saying? I don't know. We can just talk about guitar stuff like this all the time, and you guys can just take the night off if you want. Mm-hmm. I can do it without any prompting. <laughs> I'll just keep going. Like, well, most people yeah. don't know. This is the two hours that follows the show that you guys don't see. Is yeah, yeah. Just, it just, just goes and goes and goes. Yeah, what happens when they're not on air? <laughs> this. We do this. We yeah. do exactly this. Pretty We've been much, doing this yeah. for two and a half years now. Yeah. When you think about yeah. it, February yeah. of 2020, and it's now yeah. Yeah. October this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, good two and a half years. Yeah, good two and a half years. So. <laughs> How <are> the kids? All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That awkward pause on a date that tells you you're yeah. not getting any. Sure. No, man. Um, so that's our show opener. And uh, it kind of went from it's there. It's got to be about music. Then, yeah, well, it's been about music. I know. It has been. Yeah. It should be. I've we don't. Been that's about, the, yeah. you and I have talked for fourteen years. How trade shows for DJs, <laughs> the biggest topic never discussed is music. Right. right. <laughs> Everyone's talking about. Oh, I need this new piece of Pioneer DJ gear. Oh, I want this counter. Oh, I want cold sparks. Oh, I want these lights. I'm like, does anyone give a crap about music anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And sadly, to segue a little topic for you guys, I'd like mm. to get your take on this. Sure. I'm running into what I consider to be the biggest enemy of the DJ today, which is people don't own music anymore, so they don't understand the value of music. Like they, I've had people say, so when you, I had someone who doesn't know what I do, and I met them, like, oh, you DJ? I'm like, yeah, I do a lot of weddings. For so you just get up there, to, like, just play Spotify? I'm like, no, that's illegal. What do you mean it's illegal? I'm like, you can't play Spotify at a public event like that and get paid for it. That's stealing. You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, so how, where do you get your music? I own it. Mm-hmm. You own 80,000 songs? I'm like, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I've bought them over time. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's insane. Because, I mean, my kids just go to YouTube Premium. They can listen to anything they want. So what's different about your music? I'm like, well, the main thing is that it's cultivated to be played at particular times as people do particular things in front of me. Sound quality. YouTube and everything Same else one. can't do that. Big one. Big one. Sound yeah. quality. It's yeah. not illegal. Edited if for you, content. 
your kids can sit there and listen to YouTube. They just can't do it publicly and get paid for it. No ads in the middle of the song. Yeah. Well, I've no seen buffering. people. I've and <laughs> I've used Spotify. I've seen DJs, and I mean, I've heard this from other DJs. Oh, dude, Spotify. It's all I use for cocktail dinner, this and that. And I'm like, no. I just you know, and you don't want to be the guy that says, "I hope one of us gets arrested for this," because then it'll put. Remember when Napster came out, mm-hmm. and then about a year later, suddenly it was, "Oh my God, did you hear? There's a guy in our market getting sued by, mm-hmm. you know, EMI." And they're suing him, and he's got to pay a thousand dollar fine. And those those little rumors start shooting through the industry. Well, the and it really made one, people back off. The famous one was when they sued a seven year old girl for downloading Napster stuff. They, and right. they were serious. They actually oh, they really wanted did. money. Yeah, they wanted money from a seven year old girl. I think now the industry is so screwed up, and I don't think record labels care. I think they'd sue their own mothers if they thought there was 20 cents in it for them. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think anyone's going to chase that dragon anymore. I don't think anyone's going to follow it and say, hey, we want to make sure you're doing it right. I think Europe and Canada probably still do that to a certain extent. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because as we were getting ready to do this show, I was getting text messages from a potential client. Now, I wasn't sure who this was, and I finally put two and two together. There's a there's this guy I went to school with who I, I recently reconnected with on Facebook. A uh, real nice guy. Uh, this is his stepson. And he had sent me, you know, those group Facebook messages, you know, where they add people. Hi, this is my son. He's looking to get married sometime next year. He'd just like to get some information on what you do. So I gave him some information and I don't know, some pictures and some pricing and things like that. Just, you know, general pricing. Right. And um, I kind of forgot about it. I didn't hear anything else. Well, I started getting test, text messages tonight from uh, this this schoolmate of mine's stepson. And the first thing he says, and he says, look, I've never done this before, so I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, knew but, it. But question one is, you know, you mentioned that it's, you know, your price is good for six hours of music. But we only need you for five hours, and some of the venues we're looking at say that they offer a sound system, so you wouldn't even have to bring that. So, well, how does that change oh, the price? Here we go. <laughs> well, it so, changes it because I'm not doing your event. <laughs> well, no, I, I just and <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, you know what? Uh, the easiest way to explain this, I think, for anybody, anybody who isn't just living in their parents' basement is to explain to them, listen, this is what I do for a living. I do a wedding a week. And it's up to six hours. If you do it for an hour, it's the same price as it is for six. It's up to six. Mm -hmm. You get up to six without more charges. You don't get money back for less time. Right. Right. Oh, and he totally got it. Like, oh, okay. What about sound systems? Like, well, and this is 100% true. I, I've been offered systems before to plug into. Some of these new venues around here have that. But my system's better. And it helps us better achieve our sound objectives. And what if and the got, sound system breaks down? Would your client want money back from the system or from the deep? That's a good point. That's but good you point. can say the same thing about power outages, couldn't you? 
Yeah, but it's different. That's something that's widespread. You're talking, well, you know, that force majeure thing. I'm talking, and there's several venues that I've worked where they say, oh, they have a sound system for the ceremony. And And I've told you guys this. I have said to clients, I'll be completely honest with you. I've heard it. It's not good. They're a venue. They're not a sound company. They're not investing in good sound. They're investing in this is good enough sound. If that's what you want, then great. But I would feel much more comfortable if you included me in the ceremony to the point where my price will stand. Because if your ceremony mic's cut out and the music sucks, for the rest of the night, that entire room will blame me. And I can't get on the microphone and defend myself and say, hey, everyone, welcome to Brian Blanco's wedding. Just want to let you know, I'd had nothing to do with the ceremony. Now let's get the reception part. Like, it doesn't work that way. So you're guilty by design and you're guilty by association. And I tell everyone, I'm like, you know what? If I'm performing, it's my gear. It's top end. It's curated. It's professional. I know what it's been through. I don't have a clue what's going on with somebody else's gear. I, you know what? It it could break down. If it broke down at the wedding, would you be fair and understanding that I wouldn't be at fault? What do you mean? Like if I plug into the Acme Hotel in Racine, Wisconsin, and the system blows up, are you cool with Racine, Wisconsin, Acme Hotel paying you? Because I'm not giving you a dime back because their system blew up. It's not my system. I'm we sure didn't think about that. Howie, you were you were trying to get a word in there, I saw. Well, I was just going to say I'm I don't see the big deal there, Jay, because you know it was uh, you know their cousin Joey who was the president of this high school AV club that installed it, so it's got to be good. Have you ever worked at a venue that had a sound system that you could tap into that admitted? That that said to you, we've spent a lot of time and money curating this system. Or have they all said what they've said to me? We're not even sure how this thing works. I played it at a brand I've, new place. I've had that happen where they said, "Oh, all you have to do is plug in here for the cocktail." Exactly. And I said, "Well, how do I control it?" Um, oh, wait a minute. Let me let me go get a key. And they they opened this closet mm-hmm. with all this stuff from the eighties, and yeah. I'm like. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to put my own speaker in here, you know. Why would and you not like, want what, – what profession is there they were cool. that someone would show up? And, I mean, this is another angle, Brian. What do you do for a living there, Johnny? Well, I'm a contractor. How many times have you gone to a job and used somebody else's tools? Well, no, I, I have my own tools. Well, so do right. I. Why would I use somebody else's saw when I have a saw? Why would I let the venue go, hey, we've got hammers, we've got nails, we got all that stuff. No, 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 no. I'm doing a professional job. I need the top-end gear that I use to perform. Well, I don't know if you remember that event I did a few weeks ago where the elevator broke. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They had a system, and it was new. I mean, the whole place was new, right? Yeah. Except the elevator, obviously. But you know, the venue was remodeled and all of these things. I didn't plug into it. I didn't use it at all. I knew my system was better and it was. It achieved my sound objectives better. I looked at the system. It was, you know, kind of the house speakers all through the room. What you would see at your typical business that's playing music through the speakers. It wasn't anything. Like a 70 volt background? Probably. 
I mean, I don't know. Just, just you know. I've tapped in at hotels to those where they've said to me, hey, we have a ceiling system with XLR yeah. plugs on the wall. Yep. And it's controlled over here by this volume. It goes into the other room where the bar is. You can just mm-hmm. tap into that with a, and you can tell they know what they're doing or they've had someone train them because mm-hmm. they go, mm-hmm. you can just tap your booth outline into this. You got it. If, if that's the expectation you've given the client, or yeah. this is a good one, Brian, I'm sure you've seen this. They'll put a podium up at a corporate event with a microphone. And I kind of look and I go, oh, you already have a mic for the client? Yeah, that's part of their package. It goes through our sound system in the ceiling. Oh, okay. So when it comes time for them to give a speech or something, they're going through the whole room in the ceiling. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll introduce them from my mic and then they can talk on that mic or whatever. I'm fine with that. And I'm even okay adding to my system by tapping into a 70 volt because I did that for a living for seven years on the yachts. It's funny you mentioned that. It's funny you mentioned that. I I know I have to say something because you're totally not using gallery view, are you, Jane? (laughs) No. No, you should because that way you can pay attention and read the room a little better. Because sometimes people are trying to talk and you keep talking or they... So that's how I know you're not using gallery view because you're you're oblivious to what anyone else is doing while you're talking, which is fine. I, I'm just making an observation here. But anyway, I was going to say it's and? interesting. <laughs> it's like a detective. It's, it's not going to change anything. <laughs> no, we're Brady Bunch. So, <laughs> are you guys on screen? <laughs> yeah, really. I didn't know yeah, I could see you people. Can you see? Yeah. I heard yeah. silence for a second. I, and I ran. I, I'm hiding. I'm hiding. No one can see me. So anyway. <laughs> If you go back to the gig log, I think I left a snippet of it in there. There was uh, some sisters who were in the wedding party who wanted two microphones. I'm like, look, just pass the mic back and forth. Like, no, no, we have to have two. I'm like, okay. Then I guess you take my mic and you take one from the house system. I guess that's how you do it. So one sister sounded fantastic. The other sister sounded terrible (laughs) because they were running two different systems and two different microphones. And it's in the video, and you can tell what mic yeah, they're using when. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, may I ask a question? Why did they have to have their own microphones? Because they're public speakers that are professionally doing this, and they know all about stuff much more than we could ever know. I don't know. Why do people ask for weird stuff? And. No, I just wondered if but they. Had it's to- a valid question, Howie, because yeah. people will ask for goofy stuff. It is. Like, it is goofy. And in your mind, you you may say, "Well, why the hell do they want that?" But you don't say it out loud. I say, "Say it out loud." Well, why? Because they haven't been educated. Stop. Well, Let's go back. What are you trying to do? Let me help you. That's right. education. Objectives. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, hey, you know, oh, you're five years old and you're twins. Here, here's a Barbie doll you could share. No, I want my own. You know, um, I, the father of the bride, get up to do his toast the other night. A, he felt he needed to take the mic off the stand, which was yeah. at a perfect height for him. Yeah, I was speaking into it and said, now I'd like to bring up Jesse and Anna. Parents of our beautiful bride, round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. And they came up, and I took a couple steps back, and he walked right up and did this. And yeah. I could not help myself. I could not stop myself. I said, please don't hit don't the mic. do that. The mic is on. Please don't do not do. It. I will just like, do not do that. Yeah. I was like, please don't do that. 
the mic is turned on. That's why you heard me introduce you. And the guy looks at me and afterwards, to his credit, he came up later. He's like, you were amazing tonight. Hey, man, sorry about the mic. I go, let me tell you what it is. You tapping a live mic to see if it's on is like me punching you in the ear to see if you can hear me. <laughs> and he kind of chuckled, but he got it. Yeah, yeah. He understood yeah. that. Like, yeah. and, and I guess I know, Brian, you're famous for this at your weddings. Hey, can everyone hear me? Great. Yeah. The mic is on. Everyone can hear me. So we're going to bring the toasters up. And when you do and they can't hear them, they realize it's the idiot giving the toast that's screwing up because the mic now is a belt buckle. They police it themselves. It's kind of funny. Well, you can't hear you. They can't hear you. And the, yeah. the way you do it is, I know you all know this already, but let me just demonstrate it. So, because yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know you all already know this, but let me just show you in case. Oh, they they all took it off the stand. The first toaster came up and toasted. Sounded great. Volume was perfect. Everything was great. Second one comes up. She goes, I, I got to get this off the stand. I'm like, oh, okay. It might be easier. Sure as shit. Within a second, it's at her belly. And people yelled, can't hear you. Oh, can you hear me now? It's like, do you not think you look stupid doing Like, I would never want to look dumb with professional gear like that. But I guess <laughs> the general public just doesn't take into consideration. You look unprofessional. But yeah, I guess you're but, not a professional. Help me help you. Is, yes. Is kind yeah. of more gaff tape around it to make sure it doesn't come off the stand. Like, kind of my <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a new thing. No, it's not only not a singing mic. It's not a pickup mic. What do you mean? Like, it can't leave <laughs> can't the stand. It's it's not a carry mic. You, could you ever see little... Quiet Riot? You know how their mic never left the stand? You never, there's no video or picture of Kevin Dubrow holding a mic in his hand. It never left the stand. You could duct tape it to the stand. Call, That's yeah. what I'm going to have to do. Gaff, but I feel gaff, like, gaff, like gaff, yeah. it's like telling kids not to touch knives or stay away from the stove. Don't touch the stove. It's Part not, of me is I like, know. cut your finger off while it's burning for all I care. I mean... <laughs> I know, I know. What the hell? There, well, okay. This, this. Why are you hitting I, it? I believe this goes to the whole philosophy of being grown up or not. Because, I mean, I was talking to my brother this weekend, and he's older than I am, and he he's kind of in the same place I am with a lot of things. When we were younger, we knew everything. You couldn't tell us anything. Mm. But as we get older, we're both like, well, I know how to do that. You know, yeah. even if the person is 20 years old, well, yeah, what's that all about? I don't know what that is. Educate me. Explain it to me. We're, we're not too big to not know. So we ask questions. There are people out there, however, who just know every damn thing. You can't tell them anything. Hey, let me show you how to do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've never done it before, but how hard can it be? Because it's always looked easy when you do it. Well, guess what? The reason it looks easy when I do it is because I've got experience doing this shit. You know who they are, Brian? My job is to make it look easy. Mm -hmm. You know who they are? They're the same people in a restaurant when the waiter or waitress goes, hey, just be careful. Don't touch the plate. It's really hot. It's the same guy and girl that reach down and touch the plate and go, oh, it is really hot. Or, oh, it's not as hot as I thought it would be. Hey, I'm going to leave this snake on the table. It's venomous. It bites. And Don't it bites. the snake. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. God damn. You Leave know what? Alone. He was right. He would... Like... Why? 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 Well, you know, Jay, to your credit, they do have signs at zoos, you know, do not come over this fence because there's tigers there. And people go in and they get mauled by the tigers. You see it on the news every year. So but then we have to put down the tiger. 
This is the part I don't understand. This is this is this is Darwinism. It's, it is Darwin. Got to put down the we putting down the tiger. That's why this label they dropped the mic. Yeah, like on, on the side of Glowstick. Hey. Just don't drink the contents. Like, why did we need that? What happened? That this I'll, has to be. I'll a thing. prove right. how messed up the world is. Right. If a dog bites a kid, they put the dog down. If an adult messes with a little kid, we put him in a halfway house somewhere. Too deep? Too soon? What? Yeah, yeah, that okay. went dark real fast. We were just yeah, that went a little darker yeah, than everyone like thought it would go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's on Netflix. Sorry, it's not my it fault. Sure is. <laughs> Have you seen it? I lasted well, about eight minutes, and I'm like, okay, this is way past me. Well, let me let me let me tell you a little bit. And this is music oriented. Let me tell you a little bit about this. Okay. So I'll I'll I don't know if I've ever talked about this. We're gonna talk about the outfield. The outfield. Well, I figured when I mentioned the whole adults and kids, we'd go to like, you know, like my girl's a little bit younger or something. I didn't know if no, you were going to. My girl's a little bit older, actually. Well, hopefully. That's what he said. I'm talking about the demo version. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you screwed it up. <laughs> it's a demo. You yeah, heard it. sure. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, you're, you're, you're getting my Sharona and your love confused, by the way. I'm putting them together because I was there when they you were. You are because you're just. A I was there at Sun. I was there at Sun City. <laughs> you're an artistic. I was at Sun City in South Africa. Songs from the late seventies, early eighties. Recorded at Sun City in so South any, Africa. Anyway, anyway, so I live in Milwaukee. This happened in Milwaukee. Yeah. So I've heard these stories over and over and over again we got it on the local news we got it on the national news we got it in the newspapers i shared a parking structure with this guy when i was going to college this guy went to club 219 to pick up dudes i went to 219 because i could get in and it was under 21 so i was there when he was there so i know exactly what all this stuff looked like so when i watch something like dahmer the the show on netflix right now I'm fast forwarding through the murder porn. I'm looking at site locations. How yeah. did they interpret my city? This is what I'm most interested in with Dahmer. <laughs> makes and, sense. And in 219, it was was a wonderful place. They make it look like a seedy gay dive bar in the hood. Yes. Okay. Now I think I showed you where 219 was, didn't I, Jay? We, we I was 10 minutes in the car, if that, before you mentioned if, hey, that's no, the chocolate not, shop. Not even 10 minutes. We went not, down the road and you're like, that's the chocolate shop Jeffrey Dahmer worked in. No, 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 no. Something. No, that was downtown. Club okay. 219. So so what I live on becomes First Street. Okay. 219 is 219 South Second Street. That's the address of the place. Ah, okay. And it's in Walker's Point. Remember where the clock was? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the area that it's in. Okay. It's, right. It's just a little further down the road than that. That was a nice but, area. But it is a very nice area. But up yeah. the street, it's been a cool area for a long time. So anyway, uh, there's a, a lot of stuff I could tell. Why I went there in the first place. I knew people there. Why I knew them. It's a funny story, but I won't bore you with this in the show. But what I will tell you is that 219 was a nice place. Okay. It was it was clean, cool people went there. It was not a black gay club. Black people went there. Just oh yeah, like, they, like they white presented as just that like it was. Latinos went there. Yeah. Everybody went there. It was very multicultural, and there were it was it was relatively. I mean, 
all of the clubs in that neighborhood, especially the gay clubs, none of them are seedy. They're all very nice. They've been done mm-hmm. very well. They've been you know, the interior design of the places are amazing. Yeah, so it's part are. of the appeal of going. Yeah, Two nineteen was no different. You walk in, and just like in the first episode of Dahmer, it kind of looks like that when you come in, but it, it's cleaner and it's brighter. The bar is off this direction. There is space over here, but not that much space. There is no dance floor there. The dance floor is up a level. And there's a stage there where they had like track date acts go. You know, I went there and I saw, I don't know if anybody remembers Mitsu. She was French Canadian, kind of like a Madonna kind of thing. I liked her. She was, I saw her there. They had drag shows up there on this really nice stage. The DJ booth was up there. So not even on the same level. It was like almost a separate room from where the bar area was where he was doing his, you know, weird stuff. Yeah. And then the guy walks out of the place, you know, in the first episode. Again, we're not even 10 minutes in. And he's like, okay, I'll go home with you and take pictures with you. Um, Where's your car? Oh, we don't need a car. I just live up the road. Stop. Stop right there. So Not factual? Not even kind of. Not even the same zip code. Oh. 219 is on 219 South 2nd Street. Yeah. The Oxford Apartments where Dahmer lived was on the 900 block of North 25th. I mean, do math. That's, that's, a, that's a long walk. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds far. Street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah that, that's not even the same zip code, dude. I mean, it's like, they took okay. a lot of liberties is what you're saying here. A lot yeah. of liberties. And that was in the first 10 minutes. Oh, and that's as long as I lasted. I was like, I, I got as far as them going back to the bar. Like after the guy escapes and runs down the street. And I read that story, but in the Dahmer show, he's fully dressed. But the story was that in real life, he was, he was naked. No, there were, there were two. Oh, okay. I've only seen the first one. Escaped. And I just yeah. was like shaking my head going, this is. Just yeah, it was goofy. So, so like, I think it was seven weeks before he got busted, before that Tracy guy escaped and got the cops. Right. Another guy escaped. He was 14 years old. And they ignored him or did and, not and, he, him and or he was drugged up. He couldn't hardly talk. Yeah. Dahmer had been busted for sexually assaulting this guy's older brother. Yeah. And he convinced he's like 14 years old. And the cops are like, uh, so how old is he? Oh, he's an adult. He's my boyfriend. He just looks young. And he's really drunk. And he acts like this. He's really drunk. And there are bystanders going, wait, wait, no, it looks like a kid to me. I think I've seen this kid playing around here. It's like, no, no, it's my boyfriend. He's an adult. Cops just bought it. But do you have ID? In the show, they said this. Do you have ID? Oh, no, we lost it. But I can take you back to my place and show you. I have pictures of him and I together to prove he's my boyfriend. So the cops escorted him back up to the apartment. Uh, looked at the pictures. Turned around, left, and well, Dahmer killed the guy and ate him. What were the cops thinking when they asked a naked person do you have ID? Uh, they yeah, obviously were Well, I, well, I read well, back. You know what? <laughs> Where is he that, keeping it? <laughs> but he, anyway, he was supposed to be naked. Right. right. I don't right. think yeah. the other guy was supposed to be naked. Okay. That, then that's right. confusion. By the way, asking questions and buying the story, that's a question you'd want to ask the police officers that interviewed Gabby, what, five, six months ago, who was terrified of her boyfriend. And the police bought his story that there was nothing going on. And she was dead four days later. 
at his hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he ends up killing himself down in Florida. But it's like, you know, they're on call after call after call trying to make sense of stuff. Yeah. And if they don't have to take you back and do paperwork, sometimes it's the path of least resistance. Well, what I was I'm not, I'm not, author, you know, I'm not agreeing with that, but no, I, I know from having worked with the police, sure, it's shocking how stuff gets past you and you go, it, it's really it's incredibly unfortunate. Well, before we go any deeper into that rabbit hole, I was going to spin this background into music and the way I was going to do right. it. Right. I was talking yes. about some of the music they were playing at 219. So, and I'm paying very close attention to this because, again, I was going to this place at the time. This is not someplace I go. You were a regular. No, but I would go often because I could drink there. And I couldn't. Yes. Okay, my friend Cheryl. Okay, yeah. here, here's the whole story. Here's the whole story. No, we all, I think we've all at some point gone to an, as an underage, there were certain bars yeah. that you knew you could get in. But, but th- th- there's funny stuff here because th- there's a line they say in the TV show. One of the, I think Tracy may have said it while they're in the bar. Looks at Dahmer and says, you know, we don't get many blonde haired queens in here. So, th- making it sound like not many white boys come into this bar. Right. Oh, 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 I wonder what the reference meant. Okay. So, so here, here's the funny part. Cheryl and I worked at this mall store, right? Yep. Cheryl was the assistant manager of this mall store. Our manager's name was Chris. And Chris looked like Daryl Hall from Hollow Notes. Yep. The hair, the sideburns, the whole thing. Wasn't bit. he a cross-dresser? <laughs> oh, okay. She's telling me. Chris is a drag queen. I'm like, no, he's not. The dude's got sideburns. Looks like Daryl Hall. There's no way this guy's a drag queen. Yeah. No way. Usually he has stubble on his face. There's no way Chris is a drag queen. So one night we're out and about, and she's like, okay, let, let's try this place. And by the way, I win the bet. You're going to see Chris is here tonight. It's a drag show, and he's a drag queen. He's like, no way. So we walk in the door of this place. The first thing I see is this, you know, six foot two tall blonde. You know, I'm like, I look, and he smiles and says, yeah. Like, Okay, so that's how I saw that for the first time. So that was funny, but yeah, I was that was 1991, you know. So I was 20. Right. I just turned 20, and we started going there. Um, probably I don't know, maybe April, and this all went down in July or something like that. Right. So we went a few times, but usually for the show where Chris was in it, sure. And if we just happened to be out, and that was usually on Sundays, so. That's always been like Boston's the same thing. There were bar- like uh, Avalon because I bartended at Avalon one night, mm. and it was gay. On, it was called Private Party on Sundays, yeah. and it was their gay night. Oh, my well, roommate every night was gay promoted night it. <laughs> right, but I'm saying like th- like Boston was notorious on Sundays. Yeah, a lot of straight clubs would go to have gay parties. There, there are clubs. Like, there were clubs like that here, but, but yeah, two nineteen any was night gay club every night. Yeah. See, yeah. The neighborhood I drove you through with the clock towers and all that stuff, that is Walker's yeah. Point. <laughs> Walker's yeah, nice Point area. Is, is kind of the gay neighborhood in Milwaukee, but the bars are mixed. There's like a biker bar, there's like a like a Mexican bar, there's all kinds of stuff there. You know, and, and yeah. then there's gay clubs, some bars, but mostly gay clubs. Sure. So the music part I was going to talk about is he walks in they're playing I'll Be Sure Night and Day. Love that song. I don't think it ever played that. And even if they did. Love that track. That was probably a four-year-old song 
when this was shot. Yeah. And if you know anything, anything at all about gay establishments, they're, they're six months to a year ahead. Yeah. They're they're yeah. ahead of things. Yeah. If they do oh, a throwback, yeah. it's really good. Yeah. Like really good. And there's a Sylvester remix of it. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's there's a reason they're playing it. There's it's a special occasion if they do a throwback song. Yeah. But then they're playing Crystal Waters Gypsy Woman. And it's like, that's more like it. That makes sense. That's what it sounded like in there during yeah. that time. Yeah, that, the, that track works everywhere. In fact, I know I heard Crystal Waters Gypsy Woman at 219. I know I did, you know. You think they just tried to get exactly. close? I mean, for the royalties they had to pay for the for the TV show to that's, get that's a good songs point. can we use? Like yeah, maybe some of the be. stuff they wanted cost too much. You well, know, I don't know. Crystal Waters was good. <laughs> have you have you seen it, John? I haven't yet. I'm just, yeah, I, 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 I get to this. So. The way I'm watching this, and if I've already said this once before, I apologize. I'm fast forwarding through the murder porn, and I'm just looking at site locations. Right, right. So, but but I did catch this one episode, and it was so funny because it was funny to me. I was cooking a pizza, so I was going back and forth checking it, and I just looked at the episode name. It's like episode three or something, and the title of the episode is "Please Don't Go." So immediately, I get the KC song going through my head. Please don't go. Please don't go. So sure enough, they play that song like three times in the episode. They got the rights to it. Like that becomes his song that he plays because he doesn't want his victims to go anywhere. But uh, they're making it like like, it's his favorite song. But they're trying to take a tragic story and make it palatable. Like they lost me 10 minutes in when the guy takes off in episode one, I believe. Mm. And just the the whole stupidity of him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not doubting he was that kind of dumb and not. Pre- Usually, these kind of killers have a lot of charisma and they can talk people in. He just they made it look like his victims were just as dumb as him. My mm. God, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like he comes ah, off so bad. He doesn't come well, off like, well, hey, I'm going to make you a star. I'm a photographer. Look, here's some of my, like, I can see that scenario playing out. You know how people are. And I do. People. And people I mean, We've go been to DJ dumb, conventions. Yeah. There are those who are gifted and those who are not so gifted. Low hanging fruit. And yeah. I think, I think Jeffrey <laughs> went after the not so gifted. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's shiny. Oh, I'll come over. <laughs> I think he went for people who looked like they needed money because he was Pre- offered the money. Hey, I'll Pre- give you a hundred dollars if you come and pose for pictures for me. Right. By the way, when this right. show's oh. over, remind me to tell the Edwin McCain story I heard today. I can't tell it on the show though. Fair I'll be sure to remind you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? I love that. Yes. Yeah. I'll be sure. Good I'll call. Be. All right. I'll be. No, no, I got the Albert Shearer song in my head, but I just feel sorry for Casey because Casey doesn't get respect. Casey doesn't get recognition, and he deserves it because he's a crazy good songwriter. He's a he crazy is. good musician and producer. He's getting attention now for "Please Don't Go" in a murder porn show. Hey, it'll still get right. tickets sold at every county fair he plays every summer. I like Harry Casey. Harry Casey's not doing county fairs anymore. Harry Casey's doing bigger stuff than that. Well, Harry Casey was hired by yours truly back in 2001 to play an event for a client of mine. And you'd be shocked at what the negotiation fee was for him and his band. It's what, stupid money. It's No, it was not at the time. Really? It was under 25. 
Wow. He had a lot of demands, but the fee was low. Wow. The fee because the demands were higher than the fee. He do, he had to have his own bathroom and dressing room, and my office was in the basement of a church built in 1907. Mm. And <laughs> behind my desk was a door that went to a bathroom that was out of service. We had to update the bathroom and make it workable. And he used my office as his green room. And what nobody realized because I okayed the deal on paper. I was like. Yeah, it's going to be about you know a thousand dollars to get the toilet put in and do this, 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 and this. But what no one caught on to was that after Casey left and after the band left and everything else, you had a nice. Interview. I now had an office with a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you That's a great place to leftovers. Rest but yeah, no, he did a he did a good job. But he, his his agent was like super crazy on the the backline stuff and the green room and all the incidentals, mm-hmm. but the fee was not that high. So I told the client, just go with it. Yeah. Well, we probably worked out to be from... 50. Yeah. It was probably 50 when we were all said and done, but no, I don't think 50 yeah. grand is very much money back compared at the same time. Huey Lewis wanted 150. Well, now it was 250. Now he's making, please don't go money from, from Netflix. Well, if it's Netflix, I, they wrote a big check. I guarantee sure. they wrote a big check. Like back to the hot 100, it's going to be back on the charts again. Yeah, these kids have never they've never heard Casey and the Sunshine Band. This is, it's just KC on. No, you know what this is, Brian? It it yeah. we can finish the show with this, but it's also a topic for a show. This is that Stranger Things effect. Yes, that's yeah. what you're going to see going down the road. You're going to see artists go. Kate Bush, it's in my brain, only did running up that hill. No, man with a child. I don't care eyes. about a run- beautiful I like, song. I don't like that song. I don't, don't, I don't give like- up with Peter Gabriel. Oh, it's I know, it's, but that's not like uh, Kate Bush is not Utah a Utah Saints. Something good, Kate Bush. I'm not impressed with any of that shit, but Casey doesn't matter. It's amazing stuff, right? But Kate, but they, please don't go is the song that everybody's going to hear. But but here's the problem: it came public. Kate Bush owns her masters. Kate Bush made about $3 million off Stranger Things because of the success of that track. But right. you know so now that's funny? what you're going to see. People are going to gamble on, you know what? Sell our music to everything. Yeah. But you know what would be funny? Possibility. It would be very funny if they did the Jeffrey Dahmer story soundtrack, soundtrack. by Casey the Sunshine Band. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's all Casey the Sunshine Band. So I'm your boogeyman as long as they play when he's murdering people. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Boogie the only downside is, does he need dance. that? Does he want real? Does he really want his name attached that hard? Take your booty to the song they play right. when he's like butchering. Right. Like, I'm going to go to a Casey and Sunshine show at a county fair and it's going to be like Jeffrey Dahmer that night. Dahmer t shirt. But it's going to say, like, please don't go. <laughs> yeah. Like, where do you want to draw that line? He seems like a nice guy. I, I, I wish him well. But you know, on the back, they could have like Michael Myers tour or something. Right. Yeah. Bell Trek by Casey and Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. It's a deep cut from the freezer. Oh, oh. What, too soon. <laughs> yeah, and cut. Michael Myers approved. Jason uh, yeah. loved it. Yeah. Okay, you know? it's time to it's time to put a fork in this thing before we get wound up in the ER. Well, that was a, that was a good ending, John. Oh, very good. Thank you. We'll be back next week if we're not fired. Yeah, we'll see you then.